Take one more minute and then come find your seat. Let's come on back. I know you guys are enjoying one another. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We've got a special treat this morning. It's been a minute, but our brother Marvin Williams Jr. is going to share the word today. Yeah, give him some welcome. It's going to be so good. Um, so I'm just going to bless him, pray for him, and then we'll dive in. Father in heaven, thank you for Brother Marvin. We pray for, for him to be an oracle of the Lord today. Lord, that you'd speak your word through him and to us. God, would our hearts be open, our ears be open to all that you want to do and say. God, that you would uh, anoint this time in your word, that it would be alive to us. We just acknowledge you in the room, Jesus. You're here. You are the living word, um, and you're walking among us even now. And so make us aware of your presence as the word is preached today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesse. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you all. Um, I can never always uh, fully express my gratitude for you all and how much I love you all. Um, and it has been a minute since I've been uh, given the opportunity to
Uh, as many of you all know, I've been teaching high school Bible at Lansing Christian School, and that in and of itself has been a whirlwind. <laughs> you know, there's just so many, so many amazing things that the Lord is doing. Um, and I just always love to say it publicly that the Lord is doing something in Gen Z. That, uh, you know, there have been times where people have written the young generation off. And sometimes, you know, even, even when things get frustrating in the classroom, I can't help but think, Lord, you are doing something incredible. And we've seen it already this year with the revival happening in Asbury and the, it's spreading to different college campuses and I believe that the Lord is preparing and gearing us up for something that's right around the corner, and we're invited. <laughs> we get to participate in what God is doing. And so I'm so, so excited about uh, what is going on and what's happening in our generation. But I think that the Lord is doing something unique. I think he's doing something else and I believe that the Lord is raising up a generation of wholehearted Jesus lovers. He's raising up a generation of people who will love Jesus wholeheartedly. And the Lord, he's been speaking to me for the past couple months about a woman who simply loved Jesus, and her name is Mary of Bethany. Now, many of you all might know, you might not have heard of who Mary of Bethany is, but you might know her sister, Martha. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Mary and Martha, but specifically Mary of Bethany and the heart that she had towards Jesus. Because I want to ask you all a question before we dive in this morning. How many of you all are busy? <laughs> we have busy schedules. We have busy lives. I'm, I'm, I, right now, I am the busiest that I have ever been in my life. This weekend, I have like a list of 25, le legitimately 25 to 30 things that I have to do before tomorrow. And my, you know, life is busy right now. But I want to ask the same question, but in a different way. How many of you all's hearts and minds are busy? It's a different question. It's a different question, is that our, schedule, our schedules can be busy, but it's a whole nother dynamic, it's a whole nother thing, it's a whole nother facet when our hearts and our minds are busy, and it distracts us from actually connecting and engaging with God. That we want to be a people whose hearts and whose minds are, I, I, the, the, the swirl of life can be happening around us, but internally we're here. And the, the, the storm on the inside is, uh, is, is calm. The, the waters on the inside of our hearts are calm. And that even when there are so many things happening in the swirl of life, being able to dial back and swim against busyness and actually connect with Jesus on a heart level. That is the life and the testimony of Mary of Bethany, and that is who the Lord has been speaking to me about for the past couple of months, and I believe that he's marking me and so many others in a generation to be like Mary. And I want to bring this message to you all this morning saying, I believe that the Lord wants us. I think it's a priority, actually we be like Mary of Bethany, that we be like this woman that we're going to be looking at in Luke chapter 10 because it's necessary and it's intrinsic to the gospel, 
right? It's not, this, is not, this is not, what we're talking about today is not a secondary matter in which it's, oh yeah, Mary of Bethany, she sounds really cool. But do you know that Jesus actually attached her, her, her name and her life to the gospel? Like, we're, we're going to take, take a look at that. But this is, this is intrinsic to the gospel that you were saved by. The gospel that we've heard, the gospel that caused us to believe on Jesus in faith, our sins are washed away by his blood, this is intrinsic to the gospel. I love to say this, and I just keep, you know, this is just introductory stuff, but when the the last time you heard the gospel preached, did you hear this woman mentioned? Because the truth of the matter that Jesus said that wherever the gospel is preached, this woman's life, what she stood for, the, or her actions and her deeds, I want you to remember that. I want you to proclaim that. And so uh, we're just going to dive right in. So if you guys have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless us, and then uh, we'll have the notes passed around uh, after after I pray here. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we say thank you, God, for the cross of Jesus. We say thank you, Lord, for uh, what Jesus did on Calvary to redeem us and to reconcile us back to you so that we can fellowship with you, Lord, so that we can interact and connect with your heart, Lord. So I'm asking, God, in the name of Jesus, would you mark us all this morning as Mary of Bethany's, Lord, that we would be Mary's today, that we would learn and understand what it means to cherish the one thing that's really needed, to cherish the one thing that is really necessary. So we pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, we're going to have some notes coming around, so if you guys want the notes, just maybe wave your hands or uh, do, do whatever it is to get the uh, note pastor outer's attention. But the way that this began for me was a few months ago, or a couple months ago, on January 6th, a crew of us went to Kalamazoo, Michigan to hear this guy named Corey Russell. Does anybody know Corey Russell from the International House of Prayer Upper Room? You know, he's in that prayer movement stream. And before, he's one of my favorite preachers, and before we went to one of his Uh, services, I was just asking the Lord. I said, Lord, I just want you to speak to me. I don't care about what it is. I just need to hear your voice. I I just want you to speak to me. And as he was preaching, he was only about 45 minutes, and he only spent maybe one or two minutes. And he just, he said this, and he was talking about, and he just referenced Mark 14, chapter 9. And what Mark 14, chapter 9 is about, Mary, uh, Mary of Bethany, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and she's the woman who pours the alabaster box over Jesus, right? Anointing him head to toe in this expensive, aromatic oil. And he says, he says this, and it just, the Holy Spirit highlighted it to me. And this is what Jesus says about Mary of Bethany and what she did to Jesus. He says, truly, this is in Mark 14, he says, truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, the global eternal gospel. He says, Whatever, where, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. And so what Mary of Bethany represents is a life completely poured out to Jesus. And he attaches her life and her acts of devotion to the global gospel, 
right? So compared to many in the New Testament, I'm picking up in the introduction in my notes, compared to many in the New Testament, Mary of Bethany is unique. Having her name and lifestyle attached to the global gospel. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, his life and name is not attached to the gospel. Uh, the Apostle Peter, his life and name is not attached to the global gospel. You know, you think of the beloved disciple, John, his name and his life is not attached to the global gospel. But this woman who didn't have a major ministry, she didn't fill stadiums, she never worked a miracle, yet Jesus looks upon her life and her heart of love towards him. And he says, wherever you apostles preach the gospel and wherever my disciples preach, remember her. Why? Because she loved me. And that's what I want in my body. That's what I want in my bride. I just want simple love and devotion from them. And it's glorious. She never filled the stadium or performed a miracle, yet she moved the heart of the Lord. She ministered to him. She tended to him. She cared for him. When everybody around Jesus wanted something from him, she just said, I just want to be with you, Jesus. I'm not coming to you for your miracles. I'm not coming to you for your power and your authority to change my life scenario, and my life situation. I'm coming before you because I love you. That's different. That's radical. Right? So according to Jesus, her lifestyle is the one thing needed. You know, that question that I asked you all, how many of you all are busy outward, you know, with your schedules, but also internally? Do you know that Jesus calls what Mary of Bethany does in Luke chapter 10 the one thing that's needed? The one, he said, he, this is the, Jesus says there is really one thing that is needed in life. One thing. I don't know about you all, but I can do one thing. <laughs> you know, like, there's not, there's, you know, this spiritual life is not complicated. This thing that we do is not complex. It's not theological astrophysics. <laughs> it's one thing. And we're going to take a look at that one thing here in Luke chapter 10. So if you guys have a copy of the scriptures, I'm in Luke chapter 10, and we're picking up in verse 38. We're picking up in verse 38 here. And this is what it says. It says, now as they were traveling along, he, meaning Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Wow. <laughs> so we're picking up here in Roman numeral one. And this is Bethany. So Bethany means house of figs, right? Bethel means house of God. Bethlehem means house of meat. Bethany means house of figs. And Bethany was a small village about two miles east outside of Jerusalem, right? So this was a place where Jesus' friends resided. 
and upon entry, Martha welcomed him into her home. This was in the last year. This is in the context of the last year of Jesus' life on earth, right? So he's just about a year away, maybe a few months away from the cross, and he goes to Bethany. Now, Bethany was a unique place in the New Testament because it was the place where Jesus would go to on a regular basis to find rest. Right. Can you think about that? Like he's traveling all around Israel and the place that he often chooses to rest is Bethany. And that's the kind of life and that's the kind of place that I want to be a part of is where Jesus would find a resting place amongst us. Right. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse 22. It says that we've become as a body, a dwelling place for Jesus to rest, a dwelling place for him to, where he could lay his head and he could unload his heart and he could share his emotions and his thoughts. Did you know our life can be a home for Jesus to rest? I want to be, I want to have a life and a heart where Jesus says, Marvin, I can find rest in you. I think that there's no better place to be than a friend able to find rest in your presence. And that's, that's, where, I, that's where I want to be. And so Bethany is a place near Jerusalem, but we're going to take a look at this story a little bit closer and a little bit deeper here. Because the two sisters, we know them really well, right? We've heard them in you know, Sunday school, we've heard about them in, you know, church maybe or different messages and different sermons. But here you have two sisters, two sisters, Martha and Mary, right? Typically one is preferred over the other, right? We all want to be Marys, but we have to, we have to realize one thing is that there, we have to realize two things about these sisters is number one, they are friends. They are both friends of Jesus, right? They love him. And you could say they represent two kinds of believers, right? They're both in the kingdom of God. They're both friends of Jesus, but it ultimately comes down to their choices, right? It comes down to their choices about what they choose in life. So number one, they're friends of Jesus. They love him. They're in the kingdom. And number two, we have to remember that Jesus loves them, right? That they're friends. They have this intimate connection with Jesus. They love him. He loves them. And this kind of, this represents two kinds of believers, you know, that we're, we're in the kingdom and but one of the sisters focused their life on Jesus and connected with his heart, while the other one was too busy with all of the things, was too busy with all of the life and the ministry, and, the, and it was pulling her away from actually connecting with Jesus on a heart level. And we want to be a Mary. We want to be a Mary that actually sits before the Lord and actually engages with his heart. So let's take a look at the first sister, Martha, here. So here we have it. This is Roman, uh, Roman numeral two, Martha. She's distracted and disconnected. Distracted and disconnected. So we're in paragraph A here, the invitation. Is that in the beginning of the passage, we see it here. We see it in verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. In the beginning of this passage, Martha is the one who invited Jesus to stay with her, right? Yet when he entered her home, 
she was too busy to focus on him. How often do we invite Jesus into our lives but become too distracted with all of the cares of life? How often do we invite Jesus into our lives but become too distracted with all of the cares of life, right? Maybe when we were first saved, we invited Jesus into our hearts with this eagerness and this zeal and this excitement, and then we have school bills, and then we have work, and then we have family, and then we have friends, and then we have all of these things going on around us, and we get busy, we get distracted, We get sidetracked with so many other things, and we find a situation kind of like the church of Laodicea. You know that famous passage, Revelation 3.20, where Jesus is standing outside of the church knocking to be let in? How scandalous is that? That here is a church that is established, there a lampstand in the kingdom of God, standing for what Jesus standing for what Jesus stands for, yet he's outside. He's outside knocking. You see, the thing is, is that Jesus wants, wants us to open the door of our heart, but he wants to stay. <laughs> Jesus wants us to open the door of our heart, but he wants to stay. That it's not about it's not just about, you know, the, the okay, we got to do all of the things and all of the ministry while we just get so busy and so sidetracked and distracted with all of the things that we forget to actually connect with his heart. Right? The invitation. So many of us, we're genuine when we invite Jesus into our lives, but busyness, busyness gets in the way. Distraction, Right? And you'll find, actually, if you take a look, a little bit deeper look at the life of Martha, is that in the first century Jewish culture, this is in paragraph B here, the women would serve the guests by cooking meals and serving, ensuring everyone's needs were met. This was a cultural thing in first century Jewish culture, right? So so when you look at it, Martha, she was, it says this in, in uh, verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. So the truth of the matter is that Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. She was actually, culturally, she was serving. She was doing the right things. If you look at John chapter 11, she's really smart. She has all of the right theology. So she's doing all of the right things, but she didn't have the right heart. She was doing all of the right things, but she didn't have the right heart towards Jesus. You see, the Lord, he doesn't look on us like man, like humans look on us, right? When we, when we do things that look really busy, when our schedules are filled up, we look really important, right? <laughs> oh, I got this meeting to go to. Sorry, I got to cut this thing off. You know, I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. And the busier we look on the outside, 
the more important and maybe the more the more ministry that we do maybe man yeah man man this is this is the lord has to be concerned about with what i'm doing but the truth of the matter is that the lord looks past our works and straight to our hearts he looks past our works straight to our hearts and he says what is the motivation behind what you're doing why are you doing what you're doing are you connected with me while you're doing it? He's the, 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 what Jesus is after is not our works, but our heart connection with him. And that's why he got on Martha about this. It's because he's saying, Martha, you're doing all of the things, and they're right things to do, but you're doing it disconnected from me. And Jesus wants us to do the things but to do the things with a heart connected to him, right? And check this out. This is the key word. This is the, the, the key word of this entire passage is distracted, right? Because it says this. It says, but Martha was distracted. Well, who was she, what was she distracted from? Jesus. <laughs> she was distracted from actually interacting and engaging with the son of God who was in her living room. <laughs> you got to understand, the Israel was waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years that they were waiting upon a, 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 a savior to come and deliver them from oppression, to come and deliver them, even though they didn't know from their sins, and he's sitting right in her living room, and she says, I got to worry about the lamb chops. I got to worry about the fish that's being overcooked right now. I got to worry about the, the, the fish that's being overboiled right now. I got to make sure the dough is needed. I got to make sure, and he's saying, Martha, what are you doing? doing? Do you not understand who is in your living room? Do you understand who's in your heart? Do you understand who you have access to? Do you understand that Jesus is not after your works? Even though those are right and those are good, he's after our hearts. He's after what goes on inside here, right? So Martha's heart was unclear. Her inner life, her inner life, what was going on in here. Notice how her, her, she, her works and everything that Jesus describes her as and as Luke describes her as, it's talking about in here. It's, talk, it's not talking about out there. It's talking about in here, right? That's why I asked those two questions. We can be busy out there, but what really matters is what's, are we busy in here? Are we busy in here? And this is, this is what he talks about. He says, uh, her, Martha's heart was unclear. Her inner life was described as anxious, troubled, worried, leading her to be distracted from interacting with Jesus. Check this out. Martha worked for Jesus without interacting with Jesus. She worked for him but didn't interact with him. Jesus desires heart connection. He desires our heart to be engaged right? The key word for understanding Martha is distracted. You see, the thing is, is that we're all busy, <laughs> right? We all have busy schedules. Being busy is not bad. It's only bad if our heart is disconnected from interacting with Jesus. 
We can't help our busy schedules because this thing comes up, the other thing comes up, this thing comes up. But if our heart is disconnected from Jesus, that's when busyness is really bad. That is when busyness is poisonous to the spiritual life. And you see, Martha's internal distractions led to a distant relationship with Jesus. Because, check this out, she only approached Jesus when she needed something. She only came to Jesus when she wanted her situation to be changed. You see, she was in the kitchen doing her thing, serving and doing all of the things, and her sister Mary is at the feet of Jesus, and you know, and she only, it says, it literally says that she went up to Jesus, right? So she only got close to Jesus to ask him for something to change her situation. How many of us do that? Where we live our lives busy and distracted, and then when we need something done, we then get, try to get close to Jesus just to ask him to change the situation so that we can go back to serving and doing all of the things, Jesus is saying, what are you doing, Martha? Martha, Martha, you're busy and distracted and anxious and worried. And this is where, you know, our distractions over time will create distance between us and God. Our distractions over time will create distance between us and God. But this is where Martha crossed the line. Because, and this is what the Lord's been speaking to me about for the past couple of weeks, is that she challenges Jesus' heart, right? This is what she says to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about what I'm doing? Don't you care? Is it not near, does it not have your attention? Does it not, does it not, is it not of your concern about what I am doing? She, you see, you see care, uh, care and commands are different. A command is you can just tell somebody to go and do something, right? And it's just, it's just something that you tell them to do. But care means that it's dear and, and near and dear to your heart. And Martha says this to Jesus. She said, it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Martha challenges Jesus' heart. And do you know how Jesus, Jesus responds? Martha, let me tell you what I really care about. <laughs> he doesn't say that in the scriptures, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, Martha, let me tell you what I really care about. And what I really care about is not about all of the things and all of the swirl that you're doing. What I really care about is what your sister's doing. And your sister is simply seated at my feet listening to my words. That's what I really care about. So let's take a look at Mary's life. Let's take a look at the other sister, Mary, right? So here we have it. That was a little bit about Martha. And he tells Martha what he really cares about, and it's what Mary is doing. So juxtaposed to Martha, Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. Mary had to say, see, because, because she was a woman in first 
culture, you know, first century Jewish culture, Mary had all of the same responsibilities as Martha, yet she prioritized, yet she chose to spend her time with Jesus. She didn't allow the urgency of the hour to derail her preoccupation with Jesus, right? This is the life that we ought to live. This is the life that Jesus says is the one thing that's necessary. What Mary did, she did two things. She sat at the Lord's feet and she listened to his teachings. Sitting in the first century Jewish culture, this is point one under paragraph A, Sitting at the feet of a rabbi meant that you were their disciple. It it meant that you were open and ready to obey their teachings, right? Mary's posture of sitting at Jesus' feet showed her humility and open heart to receive everything Jesus said. And then the listening part is that Mary was not a Pharisee. She wasn't trying to trap Jesus in his words. She knew he had the words of eternal life. And Mary gave her time and attention to the Messiah in her living room. Martha opened the door of her home. Mary opened the door of her heart. Martha opened the door of her home, but Mary opened the door of her heart. And that's what Jesus is after. He is after heart connection. Jesus is after heart engagement. Jesus is after heart posture. He looks straight past our works and goes right to the heart. What do you feel about me? What, what is your, are the eyes of your heart set on Jesus? Right? Notice how Mary, she didn't defend herself. You know, like, I don't know if you all have siblings, but, you know, we get, you know, I, my, I got a brother and, you know, if, you know and a little sister is like, Mom, well, why didn't, you know, you do the same thing for me that you did for my little sister? You know, all of these different things, you, you know, kind of bicker back and forth. But Mary, when she hears the accusation of her sister Martha, she doesn't respond, but Jesus actually steps into her defense. And he says, he, uh, and, and, and he says this about her. And this is verse 41 and 42. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. See, when everybody wanted something from Jesus, Mary gave him her time and attention. Imagine how this must have blessed Jesus. You know, when, when political leaders want, want audience and counsel from Jesus, when people who are sick on the Jewish streets and the Israeli streets say, son of, son of David, son of David, heal me, heal me. Oh, we want you, Jesus, we want you to do this. We want you to do this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. And yet, Mary sits before Jesus. She says, Jesus, I don't, I don't want anything from you right now. I'm not, I'm not prying and prodding to get a miracle out of your power and your exaltedness. I am here because of you. I am here because I love you, Jesus. I am here for no other reason than to interact and engage with you. How that must have blessed Jesus. And how that still blesses him today. Where we may sometimes pray just to get something and we go on our way. But how often do we stop, reduce the busyness of our schedule, the busyness of our lives, the busyness of our minds, the busyness of our heart 
simply to make more room to connect with Jesus on a heart level, on a heart level, right? So here we go, just these last few points here. Jesus' affirmation, there's four, there's four ways that we can break down his affirmation of who Mary is, right? This is what he says. He says, it's the one thing. It's the one thing, right? Now, we know that we have to eat. <laughs> we know that we have to breathe. We know that we have to do things in life, right? But when Jesus says this is the one thing needed, this is the one thing, what he's talking about is that this is the ultimate thing, that this ought to be our priority in life is our time of heart connection with him, right? That this is the ultimate thing, right? That's what, that's what he's after in the first commandment is to love the Lord, to have a heart that's connected with Jesus. It's about priorities, beloved. <laughs> it's about priorities in our life. And the question is, is this the one thing in your life? Is this the one thing in your life? You see, like I said earlier, one thing is really, really simple. It's really, really simple. I can do one thing. You can do one thing, but it's not easy. We can do one thing, but it's not easy. Because the one thing is just simply being before the Lord, sitting before him, engaging with his heart, talking to him, communing with him. But our schedules get busy. We got a soccer game here. We got overtime here. We got a meeting here. And slowly but surely, our schedules fill up. And where did our time with Jesus go? Out the back door. And then weeks go by, months go by, years go by, and we look back over our life and we say, wow, I didn't prioritize my life with this one thing. You know, I'm 25 right now. I feel like I'm a little bit older than that. <laughs> I don't know. High school put some years on you. I don't know. <laughs> Teaching high school put some years on you. But I was so, when the Lord began to reveal this to me, I began to say, Lord, thank you for teaching me this right now. You know, let's just say that I live until I'm... Oh, 85 years old or something or 95 or whatever. I have 50, 60, some 70 years just to do one thing. <laughs> I can do one thing. You know, and it, you, we can start now. If this hasn't been one thing to you before, it can be one thing to you today. And we can begin doing this thing together where we say, Jesus, you only really care about one thing? I can do one thing. Like, it's not that hard. It's one thing. One thing that's really necessary. I'm just going to say it again. One thing. <laughs> It's one thing. It's simple, but it's not easy because our schedules get busy. Our hearts get busy. Our minds get busy. But this is what it requires, a choice. Mm, a choice. This thing doesn't just happen. You see, Jesus says one thing is necessary, Mary has chosen. You see, she was, she had all of the same busyness as Martha, but it comes down to the choice. Will you choose Jesus 
over your busy schedule, over the busyness of your heart? Will you swim against the stream of busyness and swirl to actually sit down and just chill out a little bit and actually connect with Jesus? She chose this thing. We won't choose it if it's not a priority. Hmm? We won't choose it if it's not a priority. It has to be the one thing to us. When Jesus, when Jesus says, I care about this, our prayer has to be, Lord, I want to care about this. And until we actually care about this thing, it won't become a priority to us. Until it actually touches our emotions, until it actually touches our heart, until it actually touches our spirit, we won't make this a priority. And I cannot think of a more painful existence than when I die and I meet Jesus. He looks at me, I look at him, and I would say, this is unfamiliar to me. That I would look at him and say, you seem really unfamiliar. It's because I didn't take the time to get to know him. I didn't swim against my busy schedule to actually connect with his heart. You know that we're, we're really good at doing things. <laughs> we're really good at doing things. But the one thing is really needed. And I'm wrapping up here. He says this is the good portion. Or you could translate this in other translations. You could say this is the right meal. You see, Martha was cooking a physical meal. But Mary was feasting on a spiritual meal. She was feasting on the words of God. Beloved, do you know, Mary was sitting right before the living word. We have access to the written word and the living word. <laughs> and it's about feasting. It's about feasting on the inspired word of God, where we let it touch us, where we let it actually get into our hearts. I'm not going to spend too long on that because you guys know how much I love Bible reading. <laughs> but it's about diving into scripture. It's about diving in. And this is the last thing that Jesus affirms about Mary. He says it won't be taken away. You know, in, in, in context to this passage, what he's saying, he's saying, Martha, let me really tell you what I care about. I care about your heart connection with me and your sister's actually doing it. It's actually the one thing that's necessary. She's chosen it. So you know what? I'm not going to tell her to get up. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her to get up and go help you serve and get all busy like you and then get disconnected from me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let her stay there, and it's not going to be taken away from her. He's saying there's grace for this lifestyle. He says if you really want it, if you really want it, I'll give it to you. If you really want it, I'll give you the anointing. If you really want this, I will give you grace. I will pour out my spirit. I will give you a little bit more power so that you can swim up against the stream of busyness so that you can connect with me. If you really want it, if you choose this thing, I will give you grace to do it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? And I'm landing the plane here. <laughs> What does this mean for us? Jesus himself attaches Mary's lifestyle to the global gospel. This is paragraph C. Showing that the call of the kingdom is not do, doing, and done, but be, behold, and become. I'll say that one more time. The call of the gospel, the call of the gospel, the call of the kingdom is not do, doing, and done, 
but be, behold, and become. That's what we're called to do. That's what Mary did. So Mary is an example of how we can live a life of love and devotion to Jesus. So what, what does this mean? Number one, the first step to living like Mary is managing our time and our schedules. Taking a look at our schedule and actually saying, you know what? I'm going to rearrange some things so that I can actually make room to connect with Jesus. That might mean waking up a little bit earlier. That might mean staying up a little bit later. That might mean reducing the amount of meetings you have in a day to create space, to create room to actually connect with Jesus, to actually connect with his heart, because that's really what matters, and that's actually what he really cares about. He cares about our heart. He cares about what goes on inside of here. So number one is time. Number two is our attention, is that as we spend intentional time with God throughout the day, it's critical to focus on him. You know, we can sometimes get into a space where we're trying to interact and engage with Jesus in our minds. And our I don't know about you all, but my mind and my heart just kind of goes every which way. And it's like five minutes passes, like, oh, I give up. And then I just go about my day and, you know, do whatever it is that I want to do. But it's about actually taking the time to let it, like, let things settle in here. And silence helps that. Being, being in silence helps that, where we just sit in silence for sometimes maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes. Try it, and you just let the busyness settle, and then from that place, then we're really, then we're really about to engage with Jesus because then we don't have all of the mess going on inside of us. We don't have the swirl. We don't have the busyness going on. If we just let it settle and rest, Jesus, I'm here to talk to you now. I'm here to in interact with you. So having our focus and our attention on the Lord is critical. And Brother Lawrence is a guy, you know, older dude, way older dude, like 1600s kind of guy. <laughs> he, he called this practicing the presence of the Lord, right? So even, even when we go about our day, we can still have our mind and our heart and our attention on Jesus. And then the last thing is devotion, right? We don't want to just do, it's not just a one-time kind of thing, right? It's about regularity. It's about frequency, and it's about consistency, right? That this is not something that we just do once a week or, you know, once a month, but creating a regular and frequent schedule and rhythm in our life to actually connect with Jesus, right? That's how we get familiar with him, and this is it, and I'm just going to invite Jesse to come on up and play, is that Mary of Bethany, she did this in every season of life. There are three stories and three pictures of where she's mentioned. Luke 10, John 11, and John 12. Luke 10 was an average regular day. It was the mundane. John 11, many of us know the story. Lazarus dies. That's her little brother, right? It's the pain. And then John 12 is where she pours the alabaster box over Jesus and gets her name attached to the global gospel. That's the fame. So in every season of life, in the mundane, in the pain, in the fame, she remained at the feet of Jesus. She remained at the feet of Jesus. When our schedules just look regular, regular schmegular, <laughs> nothing special about the day. Or when we go through a deep pain, a familial loss, 
or, you know, the, the pain that life throws at us. Or in the heights of ecstatic, extravagant love to Jesus, she still remained at his feet, connected with his heart in every season of life. And it's easy, you know, in the seasons to get distracted and busy. But Mary really chose to connect with the heart of Jesus. And that's the call. Because it's attached to the gospel, that's the call of every believer. Every believer. Nobody is, nobody is exempt. Every believer is called to this lifestyle of simple heart connection with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand and we'll close. I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to anoint us with this. That we would ask the Lord to give us the grace to live this kind of lifestyle before him. Where it's not about all of the things that we do that we can do, but it's about simple heart connection with Jesus. Heart engagement, heart connection, heart posture. So, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we say thank you, God. We say thank you, Lord, for giving us a picture of what it means in Mary of Bethany to live a life that's devoted and heart connected with you, Lord. So I'm asking this morning, Lord, would you give us the grace and would you give us the anointing to live a life that is heart connected with you, Jesus, that we would slow down and that we would, even in our busy schedules, make room in time to connect with you. So God, I'm asking that you would mark us this morning as a community of Marys, as a community of people that love to interact and engage with your heart. So God, I'm asking, would you anoint us? Would you give us the grace even now, Lord? Would you give us the grace even now to connect with your heart, to make room in our busy lives, in our busy schedules, to actually connect with your heart? Because this is what you care about. This is what you love. This is what you want from us. So would you give us the grace, God? Would you give us the grace to be like Mary and connect with you, Lord? I just want to give an opportunity here as we're wrapping and responding to the word of the Lord. If you, you're hearing, you're just like, I, I know, I know that Jesus has not been first place. I mean, you believe, you, you want to follow the Lord, but Jesus has not had the preeminent spot in your heart and life. You can respond to the Lord today. You can say, Jesus, I want to put you in the, your rightful place. I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords over my life, over my heart, over my mind, over my schedule. And if that's you and you're just feeling the, the wooing of the Holy Spirit drawing you into this oneness, first place for Jesus, I want to give you a moment to respond right now. If that's you and, and you believe the Lord's drawing you to put him in first place for the first time or again, in your life, would you just raise your hand right where you are and I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Put those hands down. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus, for moving our hearts. Actually, Marvin, would you just pray for those ones that raise their hands? Yes, Lord. You see 
hands. You see the hands and the hearts, Lord, that are raised before you, that are lifted before you. And God, we're asking, Lord, that even now that there would be a shift today, Lord, that there would be a shifting of priorities, that there would be a shifting, God, of what is actually a priority in our lives. Lord, that you, Jesus, heart connection with you, loving you, simple devotion to you would be our priority. Lord, you said that this was the one thing that's needed. It's the one thing that's needed. So, Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would release grace. Grace, 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 Lord. Grace to pursue this lifestyle. Grace to live a life like Mary that's seated before you, listening and engaging with your word, listening to your heart. Lord, would you manifest your presence in our midst? Would you manifest your presence in our secret times with you? Lord, we're asking that you would mark us this morning. That you would mark us today with grace to pursue this lifestyle, God. With grace to pursue a Mary of Bethany, the one thing that's needed kind of life. That this is a life truly empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a life that's truly empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a life that's truly empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sing this together as you respond. There's no place I'd rather be, even if it's a, you know, a coming back moment or even by faith. I know this is where I want to be. Would you sing this together? No place I'd rather be than here in your love, King Jesus. There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than here, here in your love.
place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. Yes, Lord, we just declare that there's no place we would rather be, Lord, than here in your love, here in your presence, connecting with your heart. So, Lord, would you give us grace to care about what you care about? And what you care about is one thing, and it's heart connection. It's our relationship with you. And from that place, Lord, would you empower us to do the things? Would you empower us to do exploits and deeds for your kingdom, God? So, Lord, we're asking this morning that you would touch us with grace to pursue this kind of lifestyle. That it's one thing. It's one thing. This is what you care about, Lord. So we say thank you, God, for raising up a whole generation of Marys, Lord, that love you simply and connect with you simply. Just one more thing. I just want to break, in the name of Jesus, anxiety. It's been clinging to some of your minds and your thinking. Just break off anxiety in the name of Jesus. For others, there's just a chaos and a confusion, and it's a not your fault. It's a, it's a spiritual attack, and I break off chaos off of your mind and off of your heart. I break off confusion off of your soul and your spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare freedom freedom over everyone in this space everyone who's been struggling with anxiety even panic attacks that that have been trying to come upon you i say no more in the name of jesus and the lord right now is granting you peace peace in your mind peace in your heart peace in your soul and he says just walk in my peace keep your mind stayed on me i am your peace i am your peace i am your provision i am the portion so receive that be free in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. I'm going to bless you.